0: Hi there. Hi, friends. Welcome in. I'm hoping it's not too noisy. Beyond my voice, I'm hoping you're not picking up on the sounds of birds, because that's what we're dealing with right now. It's mating season. We had to research this because the birds ain't stopping. They're chirping, they're chirping, and they're chirping. They're squawking, and they're screaming. And it turns out it's mating season right now. So they call it mocking birds looking to fuck that's the scientific assessment of what's happening right now it is mating season there are birds outside my window right now just screaming for sex bring it why only one season if you're a bird Honestly, I don't understand anything about nature, but why only one season? What does mating season even mean? Can't they just fuck whenever they want? So if you do hear a bunch of birds chirping throughout this episode, it's mating season. And that means there's a lot of sex surrounding my house. There's sex in the hills. You know, coyotes have sex too. There's sex in the hills right now. A bunch of deer just getting after it. And don't be grossed out. Okay, this is not lewd. This is not a vulgar start to the show. This is just how Earth works. We procreate. Okay, so I want you to picture a bunch of animals fucking to start the show. Okay? Couple of skunks, a couple of raccoons, even snakes. How does that work? I don't know. How do snakes bone down? I don't know. But I do know you might hear some birds throughout the episode. And even though it sounds nice, chirp, 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 chirp. It's even meditative for some people to go outside and listen to the birds, but we all know what's really going down. And I just realized the birds and the bees. There we go. If you wonder why do they call it the birds and the bees? Well, birds chirping likely means it's mating season. So here we go. We're going to jump right into it. We're going to just tangent away from that for a moment and focus on food. Focus on food. I think this is a major telltale sign of growing up where you're always thinking about food. How are we going to grocery shop this weekend? Is there a new diet fad we should be focused on? Ooh, restaurant on Friday. Where are we going? Let's start researching. Let's start looking up Yelp reviews. Hey, did you hear there's a new cafe, a new diner, a new Japanese place, a new Thai restaurant. Ooh, there's going to be a new Greek place over in Larkspur. You know, I feel like Chinese tonight. Let's go to Ping's. This is just consuming my thoughts And it's not easy. I think the more and more we think about food, the more and more we realize it's a struggle. It is a struggle. Even if you're like, no, it's not. I have healthy habits. I go to Whole Foods. I go to Trader Joe's. I go to Costco. I got my routine down. Isn't it kind of a struggle, though, to eat well? Anybody who eats well, don't you not want to do that sometimes? Don't you just want to go through that drive-through at McDonald's? Filet of fish, McChicken. Let's do a Big Mac and supersize the shit out of the fries, pal. Okay. But you can't. I even heard a vegan dietitian, some nutrition guru, being interviewed. And he said he was at the airport. He was late for a flight. He didn't bring any food. There were no other options in the airport but at McDonald's. And this vegan dietitian said, So I got a cheeseburger. And he claimed it was perfection. He said it was perfection. All these years of trying to create these tasty vegan recipes, the guy has one $2 cheeseburger from McDonald's in an airport. And he said, I don't know what scientists have done. The way they can just create synthetic tastes that appeal to our senses. But a cheeseburger from McDonald's was perfection. What a word from somebody who spends their life focusing on healthy foods. Healthy eating is so damn hard because, as little kids, you just crave bad food. It's sold to us because it has logos and characters and slogans. Lucky Charms with a leprechaun, of course I want that cereal. Frosted Flakes with a tiger, of course I want that cereal. Domino's Pizza with the Noid, of course I want to eat that. Hot Pockets, Hot Pockets, come home and it's quick, America. We're so busy, right? We all claim to be so busy that we have to eat quick. We have to eat quick. Think about all those fun cereals in the morning. Either you had them or you knew a friend that had them. Think right now, what was that friend's name? When you were growing up, either you were the house with the fun, shitty food or you had to go to a friend's house whose parents bought the fun, shitty food like cookie crisps, like Pops, Smacks. Think about these old school cereals that were just so bad for you, just chemicals and chemicals processed, Berry Berry Kicks, Golden grams, cinnamon toast crunch. It all sounds so good right now, but it's not. It's not good for you. So you got to fight those habits forever. That's what I'm convinced of. We grow up and immediately we're susceptible to action packed sales. How do you have fun with friends after a soccer game, after a basketball game? Pizza party, shaky's pizza, hit it. You want to celebrate a kid's birthday? Big cake root beer float Halloween everybody's favorite holiday just door-to-door candy 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 these habits are set in stone at a young age and even the high school I work at I bet there's been a movement to not just serve kids shitty foods in public schools because when I was growing up I just remember hot dog Tuesday and pizza Friday and burgers and all that stuff just endless processed foods and we loved it but even now Got a big school-wide email, a mass email that says meat stick pizza in the office. And I even walked up just to see what does that mean, meat stick pizza. It's like these individual, wrapped in plastic, these individual pizza bread rolls that are just stuffed with oozing cheese and logs of pepperonis, like Slim Jims. I even opened one, I had a bite, and then I threw it away. Sorry for wasting, but I realized, oh, that's what they're serving the kids here. That's what the kids are complaining about. And I always defend the school. I go, you should be so happy because school is providing free lunches right now and free breakfast. Those kids just come onto campus. There's these nice cafeteria workers just serving them a bunch of stuff and they all complain. I guess that's the cool thing to do, complain about the food you're being served. But then when I looked in the back, I went, oh, okay, it's just the same old shit from the 80s, repackaged to have some buzzwords like now even more protein or sizzling with fiber delight. You go, what does any of this shit mean? You read the nutrition facts, and they are not nutritious facts. So many oils, so many words you can't pronounce like biozincizeate, extivizezuezates paste, tenetula oil. What's tenetula oil? You'll never actually read the word cheese, beef. Things that scientists in a lab have created to look like cheese and taste like cheese, and look like beef and taste like beef. It's probably full of carcinogens, and it's probably going to put you in the grave sooner. I'm not being morbid, but I'm telling you about the metamorphosis of adults who start saying, I want to eat better. I want to eat better. What's this plan? What's keto? What's Atkins? What's Jenny Craig? What's Weight Watchers? What's Lean Cuisine? What's the primal? Isn't it obvious? The sweet smell of capitalism just coming off of this mess. We shove you into this corner growing up where we give you awful cereals to rot your face and stomach for lunch, meat stick pizzas, and then for dinner, well, your family's in a rush, so here's a Stouffer's lasagna that's got about 80% saturated fat. This is my food episode, apparently, because I had a fantasy, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. I had a fantasy of myself if I was in Italy. Let's just say I was a Tuscan podcaster. I was a Tuscan teacher, or I lived in Tuscany. And I had a tusk. I don't even know what my job would be. But I want to get to that fantasy in a moment. Because it's what spawned this whole internal discussion. So now it's so hard. Every day I crave something that I shouldn't have. And to put together five days in America. To put together five days where I went, I ate perfectly. If I could say that after five days. What do you think I want to do? I want to break the streak. I immediately want to hit up Arby's. Five for five roast beef sandwiches on the shittiest white bread with so much of that horsey sauce. Just like what I do to all my vegetables and all my salads. Yeah, just throw a bunch of ranch, the blue cheese on there, Thousand Island, the dows it in garlic, salt and olive oil and salt and pepper and garlic powder and soy sauce and Parmesan cheese. Make those vegetables so hidden that you could barely see them under the layers and layers of fat so I can convince myself that I'm getting my vegetables, I'm getting my vegetables. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Give me a salad bar. You give me a salad bar. There's going to be so many bacon bits and shredded cheddar and ranch at the end that I'm not eating healthfully. It's impossible. I'll never believe somebody that says they don't have cravings. You don't have cravings. You're just so committed to your spirulina and guarana and your wheat germ and your intermittent fasting and your lean proteins. And your organic cuties oranges for dessert. Come on. Come on. It's hard. It's just always going to be hard. Because I look in the mirror and I just go, I've always looked this way. How do I actually look like an Olympic swimmer? And I don't want to go swimming. But how do I look like an Olympic swimmer? Get that chiseled body. I could keep doing the same bully juice YouTube workouts. I could keep running around the neighborhood and eating the same shit that I eat every week. I'm still going to look like this, which I guess is fine if I'm sustaining something that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's not great. It's certainly not terrible. But what if I do want to do a just huge transformational challenge? It would probably be impossible here in America just because around every corner how we celebrate, how we serve food publicly, most restaurants just using so much butter and little tricks to make all their dishes just taste dynamite. But my fantasy was what if I was Italian? and My wife and I just went to these outdoor markets with a little bag we didn't bring 30 bags to spend 350 bucks at we just you know every few days came home with a baguette a nice cheese a little prosciutto endless produce fresh from the hills of tuscany bottle of organic low sulfite wine and each night we just sat there laughing under the tuscan moon my job would be something really unique I'd be like an artist who draws calendars, and I have a stand at the farmer's market. It's all a farmer's market. There's not a Costco in Tuscany. At least I don't think so. There's not a Walmart. It's all just these outdoor markets where you know the guy who brings you the fish. You know the guy who brings you the meat. You know the guy who does the bread. You know the cheese guy. Everyone knows their guys or girls In this fantasy, I was on a bike, and I don't even own a bike, but I I am a calendar artist and I have a bike in this little bag hanging off one of my shoulders, where I'm always just laughing in Italian, (laughs) and I come home to my wife, and it's mating season, and we just put a bunch of cheeses, and jellies, and jams, and fresh greens, olives, On the table. We're just always drinking wine, but we're never really drunk. We just live in this Tuscan buzz. Oh my God, I'd have the body of an Olympic swimmer, Team Italy. I'd be doing the breaststroke, the backstroke. I might actually swim. No, I wouldn't swim. That's the point of the fantasy. It's just the options would be more pure. You wouldn't have to use all of our buzzwords in America. You know what our buzzwords are? When we fill our packaging with more protein than ever. Leaner than anything you've ever seen. Bursting with cage-free, organic, um, farm-fed, sustainable, all these words that don't mean shit. It's because none of it really is. They just have to meet a legal quota that the FDA will look the other way so they could push these products with the word organic. But if you go to Tuscany, and this is just a fantasy, this could all be nonsense. I don't know. But in Tuscany, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even try. I would eat so much bread and cheese, but it's so pure and the ingredients are so fresh that it wouldn't get me all fat. I'd eat pizza all the time. Because the cheese on the pizza, the tomato sauce on the pizza, the flour, the dough, it would just be from my guy at the market, Giuseppe, Giuseppe, with the flour products. E hey, come to chiami? Giuseppe would go, hey, shut the fuck up, eh? Rosa Bertina. And I go, oh, that guy's a hoot. And I'd come home... And it's mating. Did I say it's mating season already? Like the birds chirp, chirping. Do you hear that right now? Or is it just me? If you don't hear the chirping, I won't get distracted. And I'll just keep talking about food, talking about food, even right now. What's your favorite dessert? What's your favorite dessert? It's not just, I like mango, right? It's not in Italy. That's what I would say to people. They go, what's your favorite dessert? And I'd say, I just like mangoes yeah, or kiwis. Or fresh bites of berries. And everyone would just smile at me and go, yeah, you get it. But here we just go to Baskin Robbins, where there's so many flavors. And this is how we reward kids. Actually, it's how we're rewarding my daughter. I hate to admit it, but if we want to give her a real treat, like let's say she's doing all of her chores. She cleaned up the playroom. She's brushing her teeth. She's getting dressed on her own. Maybe we do reward her with a little Silberman's strawberry scoop. And this is where you say, but there's nothing wrong with that. True. There's nothing wrong with that. We establish these habits so early in life that that's the reward system. Pizza party, Halloween candy, scoop of Silbermans, root beer float, fun cereal. And if your family, if your family is not providing that shit, you better find a friend, Vachi who has all of the flavors of cereal. Why am I now talking that way? I don't know. I don't know. Staccato for you, folks. Okay, I went staccato as I was picturing Vachis families outdoor, not outdoor, but in the garage, they had another fridge, and it was just filled with fun shit. Oh, filled with fun stuff. The cereal in our house, we had Crispix, which was good, but I have no memories of Lucky Charms in the Rosenberg cabinets. Lucky Charms marshmallows actually making an appearance in your cereal oh my god oh my god oh shit yeah i'm convinced i'm always going to look like this i weigh about 170 pounds sometimes i'm 169 sometimes i'm 171 172 and i think i could coast like this all the way to the grave i really do i don't think i'm ever gonna become obese maybe i don't know could be fun if it becomes in style then i'll dabble. But I don't think I'm ever going to have that Olympic swimmer's body. I'm not committed enough because Friday night means go to a restaurant. And even if I try to do some healthy eating at a restaurant, like on Friday, we went to BJ's, BJ's and Terralinda. It's a big enough menu where you could convince yourself, I'll just get the tri-tip and chicken. Sir, that comes with two sides. Oh shit. Two sides. <laughs> okay. Mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. And douse it in ranch and deep fry it. Please. Did it, did did it. Mac and cheese. Went to El Pollo Loco. I was at El Pollo Loco yesterday and I thought I was going to just say chicken, just straight chicken. That's healthy eating, just chicken and maybe some coleslaw. That's healthy eating. And I asked the guy, can I do the chicken? It's a drive thru. I said, can I do the chicken family meal? And he said, yeah, do you do you want to like the family? Do you want to like a family style or you get two sides? Did you, did you say two sides? Yes, sir. I said two sides. Okay. Yeah. What are your sides? Our sides include bucket of shit, bucket of lard, bucket of fat, bucket of ranch. We do have mac and cheese, seven churros in a cup. Tons of mashed potatoes that don't involve any real potatoes, sir. It's just spuds and I add water out of the Cisco box. And uh, I could also offer you more churros in that bucket of churros. And I said, yeah, we'll do the mac and cheese and the churros like in a very serious tone, just seeing myself defeated. I tried El Pollo Loco. I tried to be all healthy at El Pollo Loco. And the guy sold me on the family plan with two sides. Sides are never good. Sides in America, you go to a barbecue spot. You think I'm just doing brisket. I'm just doing some sausage link. It's going to be fine. Maybe some coleslaw, maybe a pickle. Oh, sir, that comes with two sides. If it comes with two sides, it's too exciting. It's too exciting. Back to that fantasy of me on the bicycle, the long, windy roads through the vineyard. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to say in this fantasy, I don't have kids. And I love having kids. I really do. But I don't know where they would fit. I don't even picture any schools in this little Tuscan town, wherever we are. I I don't see any schools, just vineyards and outdoor farmers markets. And everyone is dressed so perfectly, like flowing linen on everyone. Everyone's so in shape. All right. This is the fantasy. I'll never attain it. Not here in America. No, no, sir. No, sir. But I'm making strides. At least I'm not eating the high school lunches where I'm not even allowed. But occasionally I'll walk by one of the lunch ladies. I'll say, any, any extra stuff? And they'll go, nah, <laughs> not today. Go, go back to your classroom, sir. You're clearly trying to take food away from the needy. The needy, needy. I do love that we're serving free lunches. You don't even need to qualify. Just show up at one of the carts and take, take, take. Take a chocolate croissant. Or do you say croissant? It's one of those words that's just so foreign, you're wondering, how American can I make this sound? Can I have a croissant? And even croissant. It's an attempt to sound a little French, but I'll have a chocolate de croissant. Ah. Oui. Au revoir. I just finished watching this show called Life and Beth. Amy Schumer, Michael Sarah, good cast. Good show, actually. Amy Schumer can write. Well-directed. Good score. Liked everything about it. Well, in real life, if you know anything about Amy Schumer's life, her husband is on the spectrum. So that's how Michael Sarah's character was written. Michael Sarah, super bad. You know who I'm talking about. Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. His acting style is good, you know, very understated. Yeah, that's Michael Sarah and everything. He just delivers his lines like that. But Michael Sarah, in this, without labeling him on the spectrum, was playing a character on the spectrum. And he had a simple life. Where he was a farmer. And Amy Schumer from the city falls in love with him. It's 10 episodes. It's worth watching. It's a dramedy. There's actually a lot of depth to it. But my realization. I don't know why I thought of this. Was like a guy like that. Who just wakes up every morning. Has some coffee. Goes to the farm. Harvesting his lettuce. Turnips. Cucumbers and carrots. Doesn't own a TV. Doesn't care for radio. Doesn't stream any Netflix, Hulu, HBO. That's not even... On his radar, just has a boat. He has a boat, river, farms, harvests, goes on his boat, farms. I thought to myself, oh, now I get it. The people that didn't vote. Because if you were to hear someone doesn't vote, right? The Trump Biden election. You go, why wouldn't they vote? Because the Trump voters would hate the Biden voters and say, we need your votes to defeat that asshole. And the Biden voters would need all the voters and they would frown upon people who didn't vote because they go we need to defeat that evil asshole right so both sides are just going to be so disappointed that they didn't get the voters but 80 million people didn't vote in this most recent election didn't vote and it's frowned upon right but there was some poll either npr or axios or vox i forget but i saw a poll and the number one reason why people don't vote it just said not interested it didn't say like i hate both candidates Didn't say I couldn't access the polls. They're just like, not interested. There are people. And I had a tough time realizing this, that so don't care. I guess we all know someone like this, but we almost don't believe them because you would say, but you have to care. Don't you care about where your tax money goes? Or don't you care about white supremacy? Or don't you care about our borders? Don't you care about our military and all these really heavy conversations? And some people don't. Like to everything I just brought up, some people really just don't. And they get judged. And I'm not just saying this was Michael Sarah because he was on the spectrum. I'm not just saying it's people on the spectrum who don't vote. But if you see someone who's living a simple life, there's something beautiful about it. Like detaching from all of this that we're so caught up in. I started to envy this character, he just farms. He just wakes up, he enjoys the sunshine, he goes on his boat, and then he harvests his carrots and sells them at a farmer's market, and then he just goes to sleep. How healthy is this guy? All of us getting so consumed with the righties and the lefties, and the tweets and the tweets, and the stories and the stories. It's not good for our health. Now, it's also not good to have your head in the sand. It is good to have a voice. It is good to be an activist. It is good to flex your American power and say, hey, enough people died for our right to vote, so I'm going to always just cast a vote even if the electoral college is proof that my one little measly vote didn't matter i'm still gonna do it so although there's two sides of looking at it i now can at least understand the 80 million there's 80 million people in this country that can look at the name trump or biden and it doesn't evoke any emotion they might not even know who these people are there are people in america americans who live in this country and they could look at the names Trump and Biden and not feel anything. That's pretty wild. I just felt like this was such a polarizing election where I was like, everybody's coming out to... nope. not everybody. We're in a country where some people just have the right to not give a fuck about anything. And that's pretty American, too. I'd love to say, to be an American, it's all about the red, white, and blue. Support our heroes. You wave that flag, you honor our battles, our holidays, our structure, our system. And if you don't do any of that, it's not even considered un-American. It's just some people can spend their entire lives not care. I didn't pick up a newspaper my entire life. I haven't heard that Rush Limbaugh show. I don't know what you're talking about when you say John Oliver, Bill Maher. Michael Sarah's character was inspiring. Just detach for a bit. Just a bit. And shop at farmers markets. Isn't that the point? All right, I got to calm down. I got to just take a breath. And you know, when I do focus on the inhale and I do focus on the outhale. Outhale? Oh my God. (laughs) That's not a joke. I'm not going to edit that out. I believe the word is exhale. When I do focus on the inhale and I do focus on the out whole breathe. Exhale, I think it's time to really relax the shoulders a little bit and get into a meditative headspace that can only be delivered from the one and only Hank Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, Hank Jones. Hank's going to tickle those keys for a bit as we slow things down here on a lovely rainy Sunday, although you'll be listening to this on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or a Friday. Hey, it's a podcast. You don't listen live. You listen when you want to listen. I'm not actually recording this right now. As you listen to this, I'm doing something else. Who knows what I'm doing? Could be sleeping. I could be showering, brushing my teeth. Or I could be stuffing my face with a ranch-doused salad. But a podcast quite simply means you're not listening live to anything. Ladies and gentlemen, Hank Jones. And as I bring on that piano jazz, I think we all know it's time to start talking Buddhism. I'm going to guide you through a meditation real quick. I overheard one of my students, a lot of my seniors, are talking about college admittance right now. Hey, where'd you get in? I got into UC Davis. I got rejected by UC Santa Cruz and my backup school, Sonoma State. I'm home for I hear a lot of these conversations and I hear my seniors and they just apply to 20 schools. They apply to like 25 schools back in my day. Maybe you applied to three or four, but they just send the application out electronically to a bunch of different schools. And I heard one girl say to another girl, you got to just manifest that shit. And I was like, oh, I get what she's saying. And she kept saying it. One girl was like, I really want to get into USC. And her friend just said, you got to manifest that shit. Meaning, make it your intention. Visualize it. We've all heard this style of thinking. And some people say it's a bunch of bullshit. But intention is everything. Like even right now, if I go, okay, I had a bad weekend of eating El Pollo Loco, got busy on the mac and cheese and mashed potatoes and the churros in a cup, but my intention moving forward is to eat well, healthfully, a nutritious life. At least saying that out loud, ladies and gentlemen, Hank Jones, at least saying that out loud, it is a game changer. So according to this book I'm reading by Dr. Neil Corbin, it's called Emotional Well-Being, Embracing the Gift of Life. It's a good book. But he actually ends every chapter with a meditation. So I'm gonna try this with you. Close your eyes. Go ahead, close your eyes. This is the chapter called Intention. Begin mindful breathing. That means just try to follow the path in and follow the path out. It's insane how tough that is. Be aware of breathing in. Be aware of breathing out. Rest your awareness, all right? Now allow your mind to consider what your life's intentions are. Name them. So for my seniors, their intention was Let me get into the schools that I want to get into, but not you right now. You're probably listening and you have different intentions. Name them, name three right now. You could say them out loud. I'll pause. What are your intentions? Is it to eat better, to be nicer, to make more money? What are your intentions? You could tell me. And then Neil Corbin's meditation says, what can you do in your life to manifest these intentions? Just sit with the experience. Sit with the experience. And when you're ready, open your eyes, write down your life's intentions. Did you do it? Did you do it? If it sounds meaningless, I get it. I actually understand if all of this sounds meaningless. This visualization stuff. Even when I heard my students say that, just manifest that shit. Of course, there's a chance this kid's going to get rejected by USC and say, wait, what happened? I manifested it, but the intention goes into other facets of our existence to shape a mindset would mean I have this magical power of having more control, even though you don't, but you can convince yourselves if we're fragile enough, if our brains are fragile enough to be indoctrinated at an early age and we could buy into so much stuff, look at religion, look at how many people are just blindly guided by whatever I heard, whatever I was told, Hey, I grew up this way. Well, what if you could now rewire the programming? What if you could take that liberty and say, I'm going to rewire the programming to do something really healthy. And that is manifest my intentions to actually happen. This sounds too woo-woo. This sounds like I've been at Spirit Rock. I know. But it might make you feel like you're less caught up in the current. That's the best feeling, to not feel like you're caught up in the current of society where you're just like being moved through this app to this app, this time on the clock to that time on the clock, this chore to that errand, this chore to that errand, this paycheck to that paycheck, this fad to this fad. And then you're like, wow, three years went by. Where's my identity? Where's my individualism? Well, right now, make that your intention. Find yourself. Talk to your identity. Talk to your inner person. Who is that person? Who's that person? Tell that person to let it go. Let it go. Whatever's bothering you right now, let it go. We've talked about this. There are psychiatrists who claim you have 90 seconds to really be consumed with a shitty feeling before it's a choice. It's a choice to hang on to it or let it go. So let it go. I'm talking to myself right now. Clearly, I'm not preachy on this podcast. I'm not preachy like, here's what you have to do. Clearly, I'm just projecting what I have to do. But we're a community. We're a family. We're a bunch of friends right now. And soon we're going to start a cult in Tuscany, Okay, a farmer's market cult where we wear a lot of flowy linen. Can you see yourself on a bike? What's your job? What are you doing? All right, might be time for me to soon shut the fuck up, as we say in the podcast industry. But yesterday, before El Pollo Loco, I was at a celebration of life for a real legend, a man named Frank Guillen. I was at Cardinal Newman High School where he was a teacher for many years and a coach. And it was not a funeral but it was a celebration of life. There's a big difference. Even though both are very sad, the celebration of life, they had beer and wine, a bunch of food. People were not all dressed in dark clothing. And there was a lot of his art on display and a lot of photos of him looking happy with his family. So you couldn't help but smile at this event. If you love somebody and they pass away, it's very sad. That's simple. And you wish they were still there. But if you throw a proper celebration of life then their spirit arrives. Then you just feel it. You see it within all the friends and family who gather to talk about this person. Well, this guy, Frank Gian, he died from COVID. And he's the only person I know who died from COVID. And it's beyond tragic. And this happened over 200 days ago. But I guess it wasn't really safe to have a celebration of life until right now. So to have a bunch of people feeling safe as they gather together to celebrate this man. It was a really nice event. And the amount of lives he touched. If you think about being a teacher and coach for this many years and serving in the military for this amount of years, you're going to make so many personal connections. But really, the type of family man he was, not sure I've ever met a true family man like this, where it just meant everything to be on his phone with his grandkids, FaceTiming with his grandkids at all times, just so in touch with his two daughters at all times. And how do I know him? Well, one of my best friends, Brandon, who created the logo for the show, The artist, he married Sarah Lai, Frank's daughter. So that's how I know Frank Guillen. And then have become friends with the family over the years. And always loved interacting with this guy. Because he had the natural quality of a listener. Even though a lot of people said Frank was always telling stories and telling stories like holding court. I remember him as being like a really good listener. You know those people. There aren't a lot of those people who are really attentively listening and you could tell, oh, you're going to remember this. Oh, you care about what's being said right now. That's a great quality to not just listen, but to be a good listener and care about people. And he was a man of faith and he was a baseball fan. And actually we did have a bunch in common. Now that I think about it, a Cuban American Frank had me inspired yesterday because everyone who got up to speak remembered what Frank had told them. He didn't keep anything in. He expressed all the love he had. It sounded like he had no regrets Towards the end, like he just let everyone know just how meaningful they were. That's a good quality. And I've adopted that. If I see a friend that I haven't seen in a while, instead of just let's catch up about a bunch of bullshit, I just square up with them and go, I love you. I just love you. We only get so many days here on this planet. So I just have to share with you some obvious stuff. I'm happy I know you. I love you. I'm here for you. I enjoy seeing you. I've realized I get filled with obvious comments when I see people I love. And that's kind of like Frank. Tell people exactly how you feel about them. Not sure if it's easy to listen to that. Most people can't take a compliment. Isn't that weird? That's weird that most people can't hear a bunch of nice stuff directed at them. Although we claim to like it when it actually happens. People get uncomfortable. Uh, It gets real awkward. If You just square up with someone, look them in the eyes and tell them the most sincere and genuine nice shit. It's not exactly an easy experience. But from what I gathered yesterday, Frank always expressed exactly how he felt and even told people, hey, when I die, don't be sad. He told people this when I die, don't be sad because we've had all these great times. It seemed like he was satisfied. I know everybody mourning and grieving, not satisfied. They want more Frank. I mean, this guy was a true legend who wouldn't want more Frank, but it sounded like he was at peace with how he interacted with people, what he left behind his legacy. And that was all on display in a really nice celebration of life. And also he was the videographer at my wedding. Why? Because we didn't have one. I guess we just didn't want to pay the money for a videographer. But my friend Sarah, who was the wedding planner, Why? Because I guess we didn't want to spend the money for a wedding planner. And she's a good friend. She's like, I'll plan your wedding and Brandon will design the invitations and my dad will film. And I'm just like, yes, watching all the money being saved, watching all the money being saved. And Frank showed up at the rehearsal the day before. He's, has I just want to get a feel for it. And he put together this beautiful little montage, just a bunch of photographs and footage. And he put it to a Van Morrison song. And that's all in this podcast. He was a big Van Morrison fan. And the work he did filming our ceremony was spectacular. He's a renaissance man, a man of many talents, including wedding videographer, videographing. Not a word. Okay. But this one will be dedicated to Frank. So in a classic Frank fashion, I'll just say, love you all. Thanks for listening. That's episode 179. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. To be on the floor These invitations got to see